Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, about a faith that's not afraid. Pharaoh then took a alternate plan. He commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you are to cast into the Nile, every daughter you are to keep alive. He, he basically went to a wider audience. Maybe his own advisors, maybe his inner circle, maybe all the citizens were told. Can you imagine this? A public address from the Pharaoh. All right, here's what I want you to do. You see a Hebrew baby boy, you grab it. And you throw it into the Nile. That, that, that you say is almost unthinkable. It's sick. Really? You see what's happening today? Do you see that politicians want to push the laws to where a baby is born and then we can determine whether we kill it or not? Essentially, and by the way, this is coming from academia as well. This is coming from, you know, places like Princeton and others and Nobel laureate winners are, are making arguments that we should determine whether a child should live or die based upon our assessment and essentially throw children to the Nile God. And by the way, the Egyptians did believe that the Nile was a God, small g, and Pharaoh was basically saying, I want you to turn the Nile red with blood. I want you to feed the babies to our God. What was the Nile to the Egyptians? Well, it was everything to them because it was life. A water source like the Nile River and the evidence from uh, the Egyptian records that we have is that most people live by the Nile because it was a water source. So they saw it as their economy. They saw it as their God. Do you see the connections to modern society? Oh, we, we call it by different rhetoric, but we're doing the same thing for the same reasons. Yes, there are some difficult exceptions, no doubt. And when I say exceptions, I mean difficult cases. I still don't think that the answer is to abort a child because the child is the innocent party. But I don't want to go too far in this direction. I just want to say this that we can couch it however we want in our political rhetoric. But the ones that did the right thing were the midwives. Amen? Amen. And God honored them. And you may be tempted in your circle of influence or people in your family who hold a certain political persuasion or they, they hold a position that sounds good until you really... Break it down to its bare minimum facts. God will never honor a society that kills its children. Never. So here we are. The good old U.S. of A., right? And we want God's blessings, and we'll say, God bless America in our speeches. And yet, the Nile is red with blood. So... This is the difficult situation that Moses' parents find themselves in. A pharaoh that did not know Joseph, didn't care about Joseph's influence, 
and he has an edict. All baby boys die. They should die. And if the Hebrew midwives won't do it, then my people are going to do it. My Egyptian citizens or his leadership, etc. And reading between the lines and having done a, a reasonable amount of study on Exodus, I, I'll tell you that scholars would say that probably sweeps were regularly happening in Goshen where the uh, Israelites lived. And they were regularly sweeping the area to try to find newborn baby boys, uh, kind of of a parallel with what Herod did in Bethlehem. And so the moms had to try to hide the children. And the dads were most likely making bricks for the Pharaoh and away from the house, probably either days at a time or at least long hours doing the mud dance for the Pharaoh. And so the women were left to try to figure out how to protect their children. And you know how mamas are with babies, right? You do whatever you could to protect that child. The story then transitions into chapter 2 of Exodus with these words. Now, a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. Moses comes from the Levitical line. His brother was the first high priest. His brother was older than him, Aaron. The woman conceived and bore a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, if you're wondering about that, it means that he was something like he was fine. Uh, some see this as beautiful in God's eyes or that there was something about him that spoke of a, a plan that God had. And just this is just a sub point, kind of uh, an extra biblical uh, quote. Josephus says that Amram, Amram, um, Moses' dad had some sort of dream or vision that the child was going to be special and that there was going to be a lot of difficulty around him. And this is just, this is an extra biblical source, but no one, someone no less than Josephus, the first century a Jewish historian who recorded the fall of Jerusalem and all of that, says that Amram got some sort of insight from the Lord about Moses. So I'll just leave that to you. And so here's what happens. It says, um, she hid him for three months, and that's what we read in Hebrews 11. But when she could hide him no longer, and you know, you have a, a baby, you can probably hide them for a, a little bit, but they do cry and, and have needs and all of that. And so she got him a wicker basket, covered it over with tar and pitch, and she put the child into it and set him among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Now, what she created here, see that phrase, wicker basket? That's kind of a papyrus basket. And the name there is only used one other place, and it's used for Noah's Ark. Um, the only other time the word is used in Hebrew is when Noah constructed the ark. And what was the purpose of Noah's Ark? Well, Noah constructed the ark and he covered it with pitch and it was supposed to withstand the judgment of God or the flood and of course it did and Noah and his family survived and it became a floating boat of salvation if you will that's the picture in fact the the word behind the language here is where we get the idea of covering or atonement or uh, kafar and so she covered it notice the idea of covering there's the idea of atonement, 
with tar and pitch, and she put the child into it and set him among the reeds, kind of like a mini ark. Uh, she placed her child in the ark because she couldn't hide him anymore. And it's a little strange because where she put him was the place that the citizenry was told to drown Hebrew baby boys in the Nile. But she didn't just put him in there, right? She created this basket of love. She probably gave him a final kiss. And she released him to the Lord. Which, I just want you to think with me. We're in a chapter that says, by faith, by faith, by faith. How much faith would it take, mom, to release your child into a Nile River, into the hands of God, if you will? I mean, that, that's amazing. I want, you to, I want you to hear something that's really important to this faith story. Behind Moses was Pua and Shifra, two Hebrew midwives. Their names mean beautiful and splendid. And then there's, there's a mom, a loving mom. And it's likely that Moses lives because these midwives won't follow through with uh, the Pharaoh's evil plan. And Moses also lives. Ultimately, God's in charge of all of it. So big umbrella, God. But his mom, by faith, released him into the hands of the Lord and said probably a prayer like, oh God, he's yours. You gave him to me. I'm going to give him back to you. And whatever becomes of him, I release him into your hands. That is faith. And sometimes, you know, we, we in Christian circles, we talk about holding things loosely, right? <laughs> Jobs, finances, family, children. Some of us have prodigals in our lives. Some of us have difficult, you know, things that we're facing. And we say, we're going to hold them loosely because my life's not my own. And ultimately, I belong to God. And everything I have is from God. And every good and perfect gift is from heaven. And therefore, I'm just going to open up my hands and open up my heart and release things to the Lord. But I wonder how many times she wanted to grab that basket. <laughs> I wonder how many times she wanted to change that plan. <laughs> but finally, she had to just set him and let him go. And you say, that's crazy. How, how could a mom do that? It sounds to me like she had no other choice. And so she decided that she would release him to the Lord. Notice what happens. His sister, that's Miriam, stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh just so happened, notice, came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid, and she brought it to her. In all likelihood, the uh, daughter of the Pharaoh, probably not his only daughter, but we don't know for sure, was taking a ritual bath in what they thought were the magical waters of the Nile River. She'd probably be attended by four maidens who would wash her because she was, you know, the princess kind of thing. And as she's down there, just so happens at the moment that she's taking this ritual bath, if you will, here comes this little floating ark of salvation. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. Welcome to Walk in Truth. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. And access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. That's how I showed my anger. Not in words, but in you can't have me. Mm-hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And the daughter of Pharaoh, just so happened, notice, came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid And she brought it to her. In all likelihood, the uh, daughter of the Pharaoh, probably not his only daughter, but we don't know for sure, was taking a ritual bath in what they thought were the magical waters of the Nile River. She'd probably be attended by four maidens who would wash her because she was, you know, the princess kind of thing. And as she's down there, just so happens at the moment that she's taking this ritual bath, if you will, Here comes this little floating ark of salvation. She sees it. And she calls her maid. And they brought it to her. They brought the basket among the reeds. Uh, They sent her her maid. She brought it to her. When she opened it six and saw the child, behold, the boy was crying. And she had pity on him. Pity or compassion is... Uh, something we studied on Sunday, Jesus looking on the people with compassion. And she said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And how did she know that? Well, in Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments, you remember what is there? It's a, it's a blanket uh, sewn in the Hebrew colors. Is it possible that that's it? Uh, I don't know any Egyptian children that be floating on the Nile, do you? <laughs> so could it be that she just knew, hey, this is my dad's edict, right? Maybe she wasn't happy about the edict. Could you imagine? I mean, everybody has a tender heart for children. Who could think that this was good? But she was raised in the propaganda probably to hate the Jewish people. Sound familiar? When rhetoric and propaganda go out, it can begin to change the feeling, especially of young people towards, you know, a certain ethnic uh, group. And that should never happen. But you can poison the well, poison the mind enough where someone will start to hate somebody else and they don't even know why they hate them. Or they've been fed a pack of lies. And so, here's the Pharaoh's daughter. And maybe we could say as students of the Bible, knowing our God, maybe God put pity in her heart, but 
I think all human beings would have a soft spot here for a child floating in a basket crying. And then his sister said to the Pharaoh's daughter, she was, big sis was watching out. Shall I go call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother, notice. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The child grew. This is Moses. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. He became her son. She named him Moses, which most scholars believe is a probably a combination of both an Egyptian and Hebrew name. It has the idea of, the, of drawing out or drawing out of the water. Uh, but it's also prophetic of Moses' mission because he would draw the people out of Egypt. So it becomes prophetic. She probably didn't know that it was. But she had drawn him out of the water. Now mom gets to nurse him probably till he's three or four years old. That's when they would wean a child. And then uh, she would bring him back. So she, he became her son. She named him Moses because I drew him out of the water. And then we have the story of Moses growing and the hard labors of the Hebrew people. This is so cool because it's a story of faith releasing a baby to God and getting him back and getting paid for it. Isn't that cool? And sometimes God will give you frosting on the cake. Now you have the daughter of the Pharaoh who brings him into her house, which is going to protect him for the rest of his life. And you get paid to nurse your own child. And for three or four years, guess what Yoshebed or Yochebed was probably whispering in Moses' ear? Yahweh is the true God. She probably packed into that three, four years all she could. And just to give us a time frame, Moses left Egypt when he was about 40. He went out to his people when he was approaching the age of 40. So she had uh, some time to pour into him. I don't know if she had any you know, visitation rights after that. But what's so awesome is she had a chance not only to care for him, but to pour into him. And God did a miracle and protected the one who would become what? The deliverer. Because Moses was set apart by God to deliver the people. And Moses becomes a type, a picture of Christ. Amen? Who God obviously protected. And remember, if you fast forward to Matthew chapter 2, here's what happens. Herod wants to kill the baby. And Joseph is told in a dream to skip town. And where does he go? He goes to Egypt and hides the child. Kind of an uh, ironic twist here. Hides the child in Egypt until Herod and the others that want to kill the child are dead. And then out of Egypt, Hosea 2, I think it's Hosea 2 or 12. I think probably chapter 12. Out of Egypt I have called my son and that's a prophecy of Jesus coming out of Egypt and duplicating the Exodus by the hand of God. 
This is Moses' story. And when he was just a little baby, mom, dad hid him. They knew God had a plan, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. I don't know all the angles of what this looks like, but they did not operate from fear. They operated from faith. Now, to me, it seems crazy to make this basket and just release this child down the Nile. But somehow they were directed to do it. And as they obeyed God and released the child to God, he did the rest. Now, if you hold a place in Exodus and turn back to Hebrews 11 for a moment, that's verse 23. And the first faith story from Exodus is that of Moses' parents. And if we backtrack a little bit, Hebrews 11, we also see two probably not as celebrated as much as they should be Hebrew midwives who took their stand in their generation and could have justified doing otherwise probably many different ways, right? Well, you know, our lives were on the line and the order came from the Pharaoh and what are we to do? We work for the system. We work for the man. You know, this is my job. I, I got to do this because, can you fill in the blanks? Everything we went through during COVID, right? How many people were over a barrel working for cities and departments where they were forcing people to do things against their will? And it was tough, but it wasn't unprecedented decisions that people had to make. I mean, take that situation in times of by however many to be in the sandals of Amram and Yoshebet. But God was faithful and they operated by faith and they did not operate in fear. And some of you need to hear this afresh. You've got to stop operating in fear. You have to stop. You've been listening to A Faith That's Not Afraid, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station. If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, as you hear messages on this great hall of faith in the book of Hebrews, maybe you're thinking, you know, I hear you and other pastors talk about persecution here in the United States, but are we really being persecuted? I mean, after all, what Moses went through and others what Abraham had to face. I mean, are we really going through persecution? And, you know, however you want to define persecution, I suppose different people have different points of view. Just because people disagree with us Christians, does it mean we're being persecuted? Well, you know, being a human means that you have the right to disagree. And living in a free country as we do, we celebrate the fact that we can have our own opinion and even voice it. Human autonomy is a gift from God. Free will 
is a gift from God, even though it's debated in some theological circles. The question is, what do we do with our freedom? And one of the things that we're trying to do is show people how to be truly free. Having an opinion doesn't make you free. Knowing the truth is what makes you free. And so we may, we as Christians may, you know, say, maybe we overdo it with the persecution word. Maybe we don't. But the point is that if someone disagrees with us, we want to be winsome and try to win them over to the one who is love and the embodiment of love, Jesus, and the embodiment of truth. And when that's our goal, we won't try to win an argument. We'll be trying to win souls. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and you are listening to the book of Hebrews right here on Walk in Truth. We are so glad you're aboard, and we're going to do a part three on a faith that's not afraid right here tomorrow. Hey, thank you to all of our faithful listeners, partners for praying for us, for spreading the news about Walk in Truth, and we are so blessed, and we'll see you right here, Lord willing, tomorrow. Just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast to reach more people like you with the hope of Jesus. And now we offer the Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your donation. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 11, 23 through 26, about a faith that's not afraid. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.